Last night, the Jazz picked up their fourth game in a row against the Atlanta Hawks here in Salt Lake City. Before we get into that and what we think about the upcoming games, please like, subscribe, and ring that bell. So we will be getting a bit into the James Harden trade at the end of this video, um, but we're going to start off with what we do best and what we do YouTube for, which is Utah Jazz Analysis. Last night, they um, finally got a winning streak that was longer than, well, they did get one that was longer than two games when they were able to pick up the win against the Cavs, but they extended it to make it to to four wins by beating the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the Hawks were shorthanded. They all covered that last night in our post game. But overall, and when I watched, that was just what I wanted to see the Jazz do when they play a team like the Atlanta Hawks. They went out, their defense was solid, and they were also able to just keep putting up points offensively. There were a couple of lapses where they let the Hawks come back in to the game, get within seven or eight points, but then the Jazz just put their foot right back on the gas and beat them. So I'm super excited. I really would not be surprised if the Jazz went undefeated from now until January until February 9th. I mean, they'll probably pick up a couple losses, but this is going to be a really exciting stretch just to see how dominant the Jazz can be when they're playing lesser playoff and non-playoff competition. Yeah, we I dug into the game last night, but make sure you check out that video. But just in short, against the Hawks, that was the most full basketball I've seen the Jazz play all season, including the game against the Bucks, which was probably the Jazz's best win, but I I just am excited to see where this Jazz team is going because I feel like ever since their first game, they've been making improvements. Even if it if they took a loss in a game that they shouldn't have, they have been improving in ways that I'm excited to see them keep that up all season. Um, but I, I have high hopes for this Jazz team, but as you said... February 9th is when things get sticky and that's when the Jazz have to prove whether they just have a good record because they can beat the okay and bad teams or if they are a real contender for second, third seed in the West because they can they can beat up on the bad teams as well. So for those of you who don't have a schedule in front of you, the um, games we're talking about starting February 9th are thankfully a homestand, but Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, and Philadelphia, all at home. So just some of the best the East have to offer. Honestly, probably seeds one through four. Some things could get shaken up, but I'd expect that to be the top four seeds in the East. Then we travel to LA for a couple days to play the Clippers twice. Then you get a break against Charlotte, and then you play Los Angeles, Miami, couple games that the Jazz should win before the last game on the first half of the schedule being the 76ers. So that stretch, along with the seven-game road trip in the East, are what put the Jazz's difficulty for the first half of the season just really high compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, but we still have a ways to go. The Jazz still have a lot of improving to do, so it's tough to make predictions on how they will perform. I think if the Jazz keep improving at the rate that I've seen them, where uh, like early on we saw some major problems with the Jazz. They they weren't getting off to good starts. They just weren't shooting well. Donovan 
wasn't being aggressive enough. And like we, we were listing problem after problem for the first few games. But now it's like slowly those problems are just going away. So I think Quinn Snyder, he, he knows what the issues are. And he's like taking them on one at a time. The team knows what the issues are. So I'm excited because we have some easy games that the team can test some stuff out, get used to um, each other, get used to the fixes. And so I'm expecting that by the time they get to that Pacers, Celtics, Bucks, Heat, those first few games in uh, that really tough stretch, that the Jazz will be that playoff-ready team that is ready to go make a deep run into the playoffs. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Hopefully the Jazz don't let us down, but I am optimistic about the Jazz team at this point. So the last piece for the Jazz to click has been Donovan Mitchell. Um, that's what I'd say. I think he's had, tw- I think he had twenty points in the first half of last night, of last night's game, and has just been putting on a show, hitting three pointers at a crazy clip, and overall has been just a really, just had a resurgence to more what he was in the playoffs last year. And I don't know how often we'll see that. Donovan definitely had to pick up a lot of slack with Bojan out. But he's definitely stepped up from a lackluster start to the season. Is Bojan the next piece the Jazz need to click? Or is um, there another player that you're looking at to um, see make market improvement to where they have been or what they could be first? Um, I think... I would like to see Bojan be that next player. I feel like Mike Conley is kind of stepping into that role right now, um, which is great. I love what Mike Conley does. He's like last season we were like he people were talking about how he was like a negative for the team this season. Uh, like last night he was plus thirty against the Hawks. So I think Conley is that next piece for now. Well, Bojan, I think he still he still might be going through some recovery with the injury. He's still, tr- even if the wrist isn't bothering him, I think he's just trying to find his rhythm. But in order for the Jazz to be that dominant team, Bojan needs to be that twenty point plus a night scorer, uh, and Donovan needs to take on that. He's definitely the like leader of the offense. He needs to score higher, like twenty six plus every game. And if Bojan's bringing 20-plus and everyone else is just doing their part on offense, then that's the Jazz that I imagine is uh, that making it to the Western Conference Finals and uh, being a, a Cinderella team to make it to the Finals, potentially. So yeah, I agree. It is it is Bojan is that next piece who really needs to take that next big step like Donovan just did. I do definitely agree what you said with what you said about Conley, though. Where it's been so nice to be able to see that Conley can step in and take that Bojan role that um, Bojan hasn't been able to fill as much this year because of his wrist. Now, is Mike Conley going to go out and put up the 30-point games that we saw Bojan put up last year? That's not going to happen with Conley. That's just not who he is. Conley will play a bit more inside when Bojan is basically exclusively at the arc. So if he's hitting those threes at a high clip, it's really easy for Bojan to get 30 plus. But like you said, if he's able to move into the 20 plus, you have Donovan at 25 plus, um, Conley at 15 plus with another jazz player hitting 15 plus, which is definitely possible. You're at 
75 points right there without what the rest of the team has done just on a normal night. And the other 15 plus players, obviously Clarkson. And then you can maybe have a game where Joe or um, O'Neal or Gobert puts up 15 plus and all of a sudden you're at 90, you're at 90 points and you just need to get some, a bit of bench help and a bit of help from whoever wasn't putting up 15 and you're at a hundred plus and you're in great positions to win games. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about Jordan Clarkson right now. I don't think I talked about this on the show, but I was a little bit hesitant for the jazz to pay him as much as they did. And I thought they were going to pay him more. So that's probably why I was hesitant, but he is earning every dollar of that contract right now. This is the best basketball I've ever seen out of Jordan Clarkson. He's he's like super consistent. Even if he misses a few shots in a row, it's not like that that he that's game over and he just had a bad game. He figures out how to have a good game, and I like how I'm seeing him expand on offense. Obviously, he's not the best defender, but he's like it's almost like he's scoring in the paint with ease, and it's not like he's driving, being super athletic. He just knows how to position himself himself to get a good bucket. He's being a better spot-up shooter. Um, I've been seeing some more him being a better passer and distributor, which I didn't see much out of last year. So I'm really excited about Jordan Clarkson. I think he's a huge piece of this team, and I'm really rooting for him for sixth man of the year, which I think um, from what I've seen, I haven't been following the sixth man race on other teams as much, but I can't think of another player that is really going to compete with him from what we've seen so far. Yeah, I definitely think that he is going to be at least getting votes and a finalist for sixth man of the year. Now, you did kind of knock his defense, which I'm not going to come out and say is amazing, but he has been putting so much hustle in on that end that watching him has just been a real treat from just seeing his desire to perform. Since you have Trey Young, who's obviously a better offensive player than Jordan Clarkson who goes down to the defensive end and is just kind of like, well, I have to run down here since cherry picking doesn't look super great, but (laughs) essentially doesn't play any defense. You have James Harden, who, from what I've heard, doesn't get as much credit for being a one-on-one defender as he should maybe get. But when it comes to running a team defensive scheme, like doesn't do Jack. So seeing Clarkson put in the hustle and just like want to try his best on the defensive end, even if he's not great at it, just really makes me feel more confident in who he is as a player rather than him just phoning it in for 24 seconds on the other end of the court. Yeah, I I think that really proves that he's bought in and that he's not just understands he's there for his strengths. Like I know some players... They know they're a shooter, so they just um, make sure they shoot. I think of like players like Kyle Korver and J.J. Redick. Obviously, they put effort on both ends, but teams pay for them so that they can just hit threes all game. And Jordan Clarkson, he understands that his role, um, they brought him in to be offense, but if he wants to win and he wants to prove the player that he is, he's putting effort everywhere, which I think is awesome, and I think that's exactly what you want out of a sixth man because... They're not playing uh, 35 plus minutes, so they have a little bit of an extra um, 
like spring when they come in so they can add a little extra energy, even if they're not great defenders, which most sixth men aren't. The great the best sixth men typically are um those guys who come and score twelve points and then uh sit down and then come and score six more. And I mean Jordan Clarkson's averaging just over seventeen points a game so far this year. And he's had some off nights, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that go up and if he's able to push to the 18 19 even 20 then he just becomes more and more of a lock for that sixth man spot which would just be really awesome to see the jazz um to see the jazz get that award because it is a team award right like because the jazz have such a good starting five jordan clarkson's able to be that sixth man and jordan clarkson could have went and became a starter on a team this year would it have been a playoff contender? More likely, um, well, playoffs maybe. But would it have been a Western Conference or Eastern Conference um, finals contender? Probably not. But he would have been able to see a bit more money. But like you said, he's bought into the Jazz. And as a player, I never really thought I'd see the Jazz have. Like, Bojan is more offense and less defense. But he just doesn't dribble the ball. He's more of a passer. But Clarkson is. Offense and dribbling, which Donovan kind of fits that role, but being who Donovan is and being an all-star, Donovan has just more intangibles than Clarkson has. So he's able to do just a much better job. Nothing against Clarkson. If he was as good as Donovan, he'd be on a different team with a max contract. But just a really special piece that has able that has bought into the jazz system, even though his style of play isn't necessarily the jazz style of play for most of the for most of the game. Yeah, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing out of him and those other players that have been exceeding my expectations. Obviously, the Jazz got off to a slow start, but more and more I'm seeing players that I'm excited to see what they bring, even if it's just they hit a three because they're only in for five or six minutes. Um, but I'm excited to see what the Jazz are, see- um, are playing. Like, yeah, I I don't know how many times I said that so far this video, and I said it a lot last night. Uh, they they kind of got me hyped with this winning streak, even though it's only four games. It's proving that they're more than what their like their first eight games were when they were uh, four and four. So speaking of exciting to see players hit a three, Oni saw a lot more minutes last night than I thought he was going to see. He saw 19 minutes, and I don't know if that – it's probably in part because Joe Ingles was out, but he um, was two for five from three and just put some great hustle out on the court. And so do you think that that was because Ingles was out and he's going to slide back to the deep end of the bench when Ingles comes back? Or do you think the Jazz are maybe trying to move towards him as more of an athletic, I, I want to say more of an athletic wing to possibly fill that um, role that we talked about a few videos back? I think it's uh, probably a little bit of both. I I think he would have played last night even if Joe Ingles played. He probably wouldn't have gotten 19 minutes though. Um, I think... What I've been noticing recently, because a lot of I know a lot of people, a lot of jazz fans have been complaining. Quinn Snyder, he's he's running like eight, sometimes nine man rotations, and we want to see more of the deeper bench play, especially since the starters are getting tired at certain points in the game. 
And so I think Quinn Snyder is trying to test out different pieces, uh, see how they perform. We saw, um, it's not like Ning needs much more testing, but Ning played, I think, uh, like 25 plus minutes last, last night against the Hawks. So I think he is trying to figure out how to fit the bench more into the rotation now that Donovan is stepping up. I'm guessing that's one what his mindset is. I'm hoping to see more of that bench play, but um, if Oni can step into that role in the Jazz, because we, we made a video about potential trades that the Jazz might want to make because we noticed that we were lacking athleticism, and if Oni just can become that athletic wing, perfect. The Jazz have a complete roster now, and we can just focus on developing the, t- the squad that we have without losing anyone. Yeah. So, I mean, let us know what you think in the comments. I know I've seen a lot of negative stuff about Joe Ingles. I do think he's been hurt for most of the year and that he'll come back strong. But what do you hope to see from the Jazz deep end of the bench? Do you want to see them trying to get more minutes and maybe shift away some from some of the perennial starters or bench players? And we're going to get a bit more into the James Harden trade right now. So... Overall, I didn't expect to see James Harden get traded until sometime in February. And then, of course, he expedited the process. You can go find a video of the comments he made about giving his heart and soul to the city of Houston, but deeming it unfixable and just that they were never going to have a shot to beat the Lakers this year. And now he's a Brooklyn net. So what was... Was that sooner than you expected, Dale, or did you expect something to happen pretty quick in January? What are what are your thoughts on this James Harden trade? Um, once I saw the comments that he made, I knew a trade was happening in the next like forty eight hours, uh, which I didn't want to happen. Um, so on the Ringer, Bill Simmons, um, he put out a video where he went through NBA history every single time a a star, like a franchise player requested a trade, what the team did. And he said there's only like two or three times that the team just didn't trade them and kept them. One of those times was with the Houston Rockets and Akeem Olajuwon. And after they decided to keep him, then they won back-to-back championships. And I think another time, I forget the exact example, but another time when a star requested a trade and the team kept him, that led to a championship two or three years down the road. So I was hoping to see Houston keep him for the, like, uh, if I was rooting for Houston, which I'm I'm not a Houston fan, but like from Houston's perspective, I think they should have kept him even if it hurt chemistry now because he had several more years on his contract if they could have found a way to make him happy and just to make him realize, okay, I'm, I'm stuck here for this season and two more. And then hopefully by that last one, he would resign. And I think that was their best chance for a championship in the near future. But uh, they traded him and now they're kind of a mediocre team. They have some good pieces. So if John Wall and Oladipo can return to form, then uh, they might make a deep run again. I'm not expecting it though. They do have lots of picks, so their future is a little more secure as far as long-term. So from the Houston Rockets media that I was listening to, um, I'd expect to see Oladipo um, flipped before the March 24th trade deadline and also possibly see P.J. Tucker 
disappearing from the Houston um, roster by then and just enter a full rebuild mode. So I'll be interested to see if that's what happens. But what happened with Houston getting really bad means the Jazz now don't have to face the bane of their existence for the last few seasons. And we'll hope we'll now with the Nuggets seeming to nosedive have a much simpler path to home court advantage. Now Dallas definitely wants to have a say about that as well as Portland, but um, Nurkic did go and break his wrist. And that's a, another sad story this week. But the main thing is you now have, I'd say three of the top five. If you want to make it just less, if you want to argue about it less, three of the top seven isolation scores on the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously Daryl Morey wanted to be able to, um, possibly get James back by sent, um, in Philly and Mike D'Antoni wanted him back in, in Brooklyn. So those two individuals who have worked a lot with Harden think he's amazing and think that he'll be able to be successful. But do you think that the, they're going to be successful come playoff time with just having three ISO scores? Um, I think they could. Everyone's talking about how, uh, they need to be, uh, more selfless like they can't just always be an iso scorer um i don't think that is like i think it's weird talking to people like that because like kevin durant kyrie irving james harden they're all very smart at basketball and obviously uh, kevin durant and kyrie irving joined the nets because they wanted to buy in and win a championship together and i'm sure james harden wouldn't be there if they hadn't talked to KD and and Kyrie to make sure that they wanted him on that team. So I bet they both bought in. Harden wanted to go to the Nets all along. He's bought in. So I think I think they will go through some bumps in the road this season, um, cr- trying to re- like starting to understand that maybe you're not that guy anymore. You're not the focus of attention on the team. But once they kind of like get past that and realize that there's a there's a bigger goal here than just being the center of attention then i think they have potential to like kill it in the playoffs obviously that's not guaranteed it's it's tougher than i said it will be but still i think they i think they can but it's all up to how well does steve nash and mike d'antoni like figure out the system for those three players because i don't think we've seen this much iso talent on a team so i don't they have to figure out some sort of new system and james harden might have to turn more into that role that he had in the thunder where obviously he's not a sixth man coming off the bench but he might be a little more of an energy guy than he was before uh just being able to ignite the crowd ignite the team by hitting those those threes and then putting a little more hustle on the defensive end which is really what his role was on the thunder he was actually a pretty good defender when when he's coming off the bench for the thunder so i'm hoping the uh those players they all realize that they don't need to put all their energy on offense and then bring it back on defense and if they do that then i think we can see a lot of really pretty basketball and and it's scary for the east so this is my last comment on what you're saying before we wrap it up so harden said that he was gonna buy in and possibly share the ball more when westbrook came to houston and that lasted for one season and had very mediocre success. Kyrie um, 
was definitely putting himself in that situation when he asked for a trade to Boston that at lasted for like one and a half seasons, I think, and had little to no success. And Kevin Durant decided he would have to share the ball more when he went to Golden State and he did it. So I think KD is capable of it. I don't think Irving and Harden are capable of it. So let us know down in the comments what you think about that as well. Please like and subscribe. We're trying to hit 250 by the end of this weekend. So if you can help us out by sharing this video and telling your friends, that would be awesome. So thanks so much and go Jazz!